0: evidence and answers. From philosophy to science, to art and literature, Christian scholarship shaped Western culture, including laying the foundation for our unique democratic government here in the United States. Today we see a different picture. The evangelical church is no longer a strong influential force in the arena of ideas. Philosopher R.C. Sproul writes, we live in what may be the most anti-intellectual period in the history of Western civilization. We must have passion, indeed hearts on fire for the things of God, but that passion must resist with intensity the anti-intellectual spirit of the world. Dr. J.P. Moreland of Biola University states, The ideas of the culture appear to have overrun the culture, and the Church is no longer a participant in the battle of ideas. How did Christians lose their ability to engage the ideas of the culture, and how can we regain the Christian mind? You are listening to Evidence and Answers with your host, Dr. Pat Zukran. Pat is an author, scholar, and teacher in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Join Pat today as he explains one of the greatest needs in the church today, the ability to think deeply and engage the great ideas of our culture join pat now for this message that will surely challenge you to love god with your mind
1: i remember when i was on a debate on a radio debate with the rational response squad they were the number one atheist website out there and when they opened the debate they said pat and kevin are going to present their case for christianity and we're going to present all the evidence why christianity is not true and their answer is going to be faith faith you just got to believe i don't care what the evidence says just faith it's all about faith And that's how they're going to answer. Well, that's not much of an answer. A Muslim can say that, a Buddhist, a Hindu can say that. They're going to have to present a case and they won't. All they're going to say is faith, faith, faith. And when it was our time to respond, we stated, well, we want to thank you for clearing up that that is not what biblical faith is all about. Biblical faith is not a blind leap in the dark. Christianity is a reasonable faith. There's good reason and evidence for believing in Christ. And what you said is not. Biblical. It's a misunderstanding. Thank you for clearing that up. You know, they're really caught off guard. Mm-hmm. You know, because the vast majority of Christians, they tear up on their radio show. That's how they answer. Well, it's just faith. You know, I got no evidence, about it, but I just believe because faith. So there's a misunderstanding of faith and reason. There's a development of an unhealthy dichotomy. Okay? Francis Schaeffer, great thinker, Called it schizophrenic Christianity that he says one of the great plagues of Christianity today. What we have is we develop this unhealthy, dangerous <coughs> dichotomy. Some call it the value-facts split, some call it the heart-head split. And what it is is this. Many believe that Christianity applies to my personal walk with God here, what goes on in my prayer closet and what goes on Sunday morning and and, and my walk with God. But when it comes to the rest of the world, when it comes to the understanding of history, the sciences, (laughs) medical ethics, economics, the arts, political theory, Christianity doesn't apply. Where does it apply? Well, in my prayer closet, you know, my personal walk with God, my salvation, in my personal life, but when it comes to the rest of the world, it doesn't apply. That's why so many Christians think like the rest of the world. Right? That's why very few Christians who are out there can present Christian worldview perspective on economics, on the arts, in the arena of the sciences and medical ethics. Very few voices, very few Christian voices out there who can present it from a biblical Christian worldview perspective. That's one of the dangerous dichotomies that has developed here. So when our Christian kids need an understanding of economics, where do they go for their ideas? Well, they're going to the ideas of the culture. That's why you see a lot of guys worshiping God here on Sunday, but in the business world, they're functioning just like everyone else in the culture. There's nothing distinct or Christian about their understanding of economics or government. We see that in our elected leaders today, right? Many of them will come here, share Christ, yeah? and then they're going over there and they're voting for gay marriage and you know, pro-abortion bills. And you go, whoa, what happened here? What happened? You're just preaching Christ in. Uh, how'd that happen? You know, we had that just recently here in Hawaii. Why is that? Well, we've got this dangerous dichotomy here. Nancy Piercy tells a great story of a She was sitting in a school, Christian school, and a teacher drew a heart and a brain. And she said, Christianity applies only here to the heart when it comes to the brain. All right, now we go with the real facts. We've got a fact-value kind of split here. We've got to destroy that economy. Christianity is not just about my personal walk with God, it's a a worldview. It's an all-embracing, all-encompassing worldview. applies to all arenas of the real world. This is God's world. He is the author of truth. You want to live in this world? You got to live according to God's principles. There's a dangerous dichotomy that's developed. Christians seem to be governed more by fear rather than engaging the culture and its ideas. We seem to be in retreat rather than out there engaging the culture and its ideas. Uh, I remember when the book came out, The Da Vinci Code. You remember that? How many of you guys read that book? All right, a few. You know, that represented one of the greatest opportunities to share the gospel. You know, I wrote on that, and universities were calling me, law schools were calling me, inviting me, travel all across the world to come and speak on The Da Vinci Code. They want to know, do Christians have an answer for this? Now, the vast majority of Christians, what did they do? They retreated. Ooh, don't read that, ooh. Well, that represent one of the greatest opportunities. I was flying into China, flying all over the world, speaking on the Da Vinci Code. People want to know, is there an answer to this? And every time I'm doing what? Presenting the historical reliability of the Gospels, defending the resurrection and the Gospel, the message of Jesus Christ. I'm doing that all over the world. Businesses are flying me in. Liberal, liberal churches who would never let me in their parking lot <laughs> were inviting me to come and speak. There's two Methodist churches in Dallas. Big, big Methodist churches, and their Sunday school have about 100 people in there. And uh, so I spoke on Vincico, Vinci and when I was done, the leader came up, and he was in tears. He was crying, and he said, where can I get this Bible teaching? And I was like, oh, well, what are you teaching here? And he kind of shared, and I said, well, I sure hate for you to leave, cause you've got such a responsibility. I said, well, I said, Chuck Swindoll's down the road here. Prestonwood Baptist is here. I think they have Wednesday night services. You can go there Wednesday night, get great teaching, and come here lead your Sunday school on Sunday. Well, they ended up liking it so much they moved, and the whole class moved and oh, those churches never had me back since. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and churches, so, anyway. All right, so we're running from the challenges instead of meeting them. And, and then the church conforms rather than transforms the culture. We've got some very disconcerting statistics coming from George Barna here, Christian sociologist. There's these great surveys in evangelical churches and in good evangelical churches. Bible teaching churches in his recent book, Think Like Jesus, only 10% of Christians have a biblical worldview. Only 2% of Christian teenagers have a biblical worldview. And what well, was more disturbing, less than 50% of pastors have a biblical worldview. What's happening? We're not transforming the culture. The culture is transforming us. Now, the Nehemiah Peers Test, you guys know the Nehemiah Institute? They, great institute here. They do a test every year on Christian worldview and the students, all right? They test in all politics, economics, education, religion, social issues. They do tests on Christian students in public schools and in traditional Christian schools. And what they're discovering is a very dangerous trend here. The red line represents Christian students in public schools. Now that blue line there okay, represents secular, humanistic kind of thinking. The green line represents their moderately Christian worldview thinking, and then the red line there represents Christian worldview thinking, all right? And in the years that they've been doing these tests, they discovered Christians in the public schools pretty much at, prayer. you see the trend, it's going down and down. They come out thinking just like secular humanists. However, what's even, it was just as disturbing is that gray line, that's Christians, students in traditional Christian schools. You see where the trend is going. Okay, the vast majority think like Secular humanist. So we've got a trend there. Where the, so you see, the ideas of the culture are shaping the church instead of the church being salt and light and impacting the culture. And surveys show, you know, from the Southern Baptists to numerous denominations that, you know, that 80% of our students, after four years of college, exit the church. Okay? And several reasons for that. but. You know, it caused Josh McDowell to write a book, right? The Last Christian Generation. Right? But there's a tremendous concern there. Camps are calling pro-ministries from all over the country to address this whole issue. They know we've got a big exit problem of the congeneration. So as you can see, as a result then, we've got a shallow kind of Christianity. Christianity that does not have the ability to engage the culture and its ideas for Christ and instead the reverse is happening, right? The culture is impacting the church instead of the church impacting and transforming the culture. Well, what do we do here? What are some ways to address and meet the challenge here? Which is one of the great reasons you're all here. Well, here's several suggestions. I'm sure during your lunch break as you're discussing with one another, you'll come up with more and better solutions. And when you do, please let me know so I can add it to my presentation here. Number one, we have to have the right starting point. And this is, of course, where the Christian schools have the advantage. We may not have the money or the resources like the public schools, but we've got the right starting point, which is what? The author of truth, the creator of all things, God. Proverbs 1.7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The proper understanding of knowledge must come in the Christian theistic worldview. It's Christian theism that answers life's deepest questions that makes sense of the world around us. This is the place where we need to start. We need to bring our students into a relationship with God and teach from a Christian worldview perspective. And he's the source of all truth. If you get him to love truth, all truth eventually points back to its creator. Yeah. So if you're presenting truth in the sciences, it shows what? Intelligent design. As you discovered design in the universe. Design points to a designer. You're studying truth in human nature. Points to the creator of men and women. Okay. As you're studying truth, it begins to point back to God. What difference did it make we were ever here? You know, I mean, I hated the sciences. It just made no sense to me whatsoever why we should study this and it was just completely incoherent to me. And then I went to, I became a Christian when I was 18 years old here in Hawaii. Then I went to a Christian university and I thought I'd get things from a Christian worldview perspective and I didn't. Everything was Darwinian, Freudian, you know, you name it. And the sciences still made absolutely no sense to me, you know. It wasn't until I went to grad school and I finally learned about the Christian worldview. And I discovered it's an all-embracing worldview and I learned the sciences from a Christian worldview perspective and suddenly sciences something clicked. Sciences, mathematics, suddenly it all made sense. You know, suddenly now the sciences made and I got turned on to the sciences. Unfortunately though, I was in a theology school, so but uh, suddenly, just everything clicked. Suddenly, it began to make sense. Suddenly, literature began to make sense. I see why Hemingway, you know, you know saw it, it was so depressing to read. Now I understand why, okay? And the real world doesn't have to be that way. I can challenge that truth. Okay? Suddenly, education became interesting. It suddenly made sense. Next, parental involvement. The Bible places the responsibility of teaching on the parents. Okay? And it still applies today. One of the first steps in preparing students to develop the a strong and powerful Christian mind and the ability to think is for parents to prepare themselves because they're the ones who are the best teachers and the ones who are going to train their kids to think biblically okay? and develop a Christian worldview and be able to think at the level they need to think to be able to engage the ideas of the culture. So as teachers, not only do we need to prepare students, we've got to have a way which to engage the parents, to prepare them to teach their students how to think at the level they'll need to. Gresham Princeton scholar wrote this, The most important Christian education institution is not the pulpit or the school, important as those institutions are, but it is the Christian family. And that institution, to a very large extent, ceased to do its work. He writes, Parents who have failed to rise to the level of theological concern cannot possibly be ready to provide help for their children in these matters. Some Christians do not know the Bible or Christian doctrine as well as they should. Don't pay attention to what is going on in the world, don't read serious books, ignore the development of their minds. Uh, It is a tragedy that so many Christians possess such a weak understanding of their faith that they are unable to explain to others what Christians are supposed to believe. The first step in getting students prepared theologically for what awaits them is for the parents of those children to prepare themselves. Alan Bloom, another wonderful book. You want to know what's wrong with education today? Here's a great classic book to read. It was once a bestseller uh, in the late 1980s. He writes this. People sup together, play together, travel together, but they do not think together. Hardly any homes have any intellectual life whatsoever, let alone one that informs the vital interests of life. So Christians need to work at developing the Christian mind, and every member of the family must be involved. So we as Christian teachers, not only prepare students, we have to have a way to prepare the parents to be engaged in the studies that their students are saying, to read the literature their kids are reading, to be able to discuss it with their kids around the dinner table as they're You know watching movie learning teaching them how to watch a movie how do you engage in a discussion with a movie deuteronomy 11 verse 18 says this you shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes you shall teach them to your children talking of them when you are sitting in your house when you are walking by the way when you lie down when you rise, you shall write them on your doorposts of your home and on your gates, that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give them. Right. So education and the teaching of God's word, the, the responsibility is primarily given to the parents. Okay? So a quality Christian education program not only equips students, it's got to equip parents as well. Next apologetics and Christian worldview training in okay? First Peter 3 15 but set apart Christ as Lord in your hearts always be prepared to give an answer for the hope the reason that you believe okay. Ron Nash professor at Western Kentucky University and reform Seminary, writes this Christian young people ought to be properly prepared for the years ahead they need to know the objective dimension of their faith They should understand what they as Christians are supposed to believe. Moreover, they should be introduced to the good and sound reasons why Christians believe these truths. The children of most Christian parents enter college with absolutely no preparation for the challenges to their faith they will encounter. Suddenly, without warning, they are confronted by a professor who challenges their faith with a problem or question they didn't even know existed. Consequently, they have no idea there are answers to these problems, and even worse, if they dare ask their parents what the answer is, the parents are even more uninformed than the students. Best-selling author Nancy Piercy, a disciple of Francis Schaeffer, in her great book, Total Truth, another great book from which I draw my ideas from for this seminar. She writes this, If forewarned and forearmed, young people at least have a fighting chance when they find themselves a minority among their classmates or work colleagues. Training young people to develop a Christian mind is no longer an option. It is part of their necessary survival equipment. One of the encouraging trends I see as I get to speak, not only at colleges, but as at Christian high schools throughout the country, a lot of them are have courses now in Christian Worldview and Apologetics. I was one in Seattle, King's Christian School, great school, beautiful, beautiful campus. And one of the reasons they brought me in there was to help them develop a whole Apologetics program for the high schoolers so that they'll be ready when they go in to face the challenges of college. Prestonwood Christian Academy, one of the model Christian academies in our country. They got 4 years Christian worldview and apologetics training once they hit ninth grade. Trinity Christian Academy, another model Christian school in Dallas, Texas, same thing, right? And in fact, remember the Nehemiah Pierce test showed a downward trend of Christian students in public schools. The green line there, red line, downward trend of Christian scores in traditional Christian schools. Well, you see that yellow line there. Those are pretty high scores. Those are Christian schools that have implemented worldview training in their curriculum. And as you can see, those students score consistently high in Christian worldview. So Christian worldview training is a must. Here are two great resources for you. A good one on apologetics there. Hopefully you can find it over there. Unless I See, Ford by Dr. Norman Geisler, came out just last year, December of last year. Wonderful book. And The Apologetics of Jesus by Norman Geisler, there, the great apologist of our time. And the other guy, he's, I hope he's pretty good. Hope he's not a heretic. Actually, that was my doctoral. Uh, paper there that they published. So those of you going on to your doctor, that's the way to do it. Now write something that will publish. It's not gonna just sit in the corner of the library there. Evidenceandanswers.org, listen to some of the great uh, interviews I get to do with some of these top scholars on this issue. Probe.org, these issues address from a Christian worldview perspective. Tremendous resource for your students and you as teachers as well. Encourage the reading of great Literature, Christian students, I'm surprised. You know, I teach at the Maui Bible College here in Missouri and I'm surprised how many of our Christian students who come to Christian schools don't know the great Christian classics literature. They don't have a clue who Augustine is or Aquinas. Jonathan Edwards. I mean, I have a clue who these guys are. Few of them kind of know C.S. Lewis, you know, might have read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. and That's about it. You know, they never read John Bunyan, you know, next to the Bible, John Bunyan's work is the next best-selling thing. Dostoevsky. you know, powerful, powerful debate, you know, they have in the Brothers Karamazov there. Tremendous literature there, we need to expose our students to. Read the classics in the other worldviews and discuss those issues, you know, Hemingway, Nietzsche, Huxley. I went to one of the top private schools here in Hawaii. Well, maybe you can ask me privately, but I went to maybe the top one or two, you know? And when I went to college, you know, people were asking me about, you know, Brave New World and, you know, all these classical Plato, and Socrates. I'd never read them. I didn't have a clue what they were talking about. You know, they're like, what'd you read? I, my darling, my hamburger, you know, and these kind of things, you know? I, I hadn't read the classics. I didn't, not until... I went to grad school, was I exposed to these classics and these great Christian authors and these guys who helped shape Western civilization, you know, even at a Christian college I wasn't exposed to a lot of these great thinkers, okay, but Nietzsche, Darwin, Huxley, read these guys, teach them how to challenge their ideas and get the parents to read it and discuss it with their kids. They'll be surprised how great discussions they can have, talking about Hume or C.S. Lewis. Dostoevsky and those things. And finally, celebrate great Christian thinkers. Right? We celebrate Tim Tebow and great Christian athletes, great Christian singers. I don't know who the singers are today. All I remember is Petra. How do you remember Petra? Yeah, greatest Christian rock band. We celebrate Christian singers, Christian athletes. What about great Christian thinkers? Hmm? Pascal, Newton, Augustine. And also, we have a great opportunity each year to hear some of the best Christian thinkers of our time come right here to Hawaii at the Hawaii Apologetics Conference. Come there, be challenged, bring some of your students, see what level of thinking that is the potential that is out there of guys who can go out and engage and win debates against some of the great secular Thinkers out there who oppose the Christian worldview, and have an opportunity to sit down and talk with them and chat with them during breaks or when they're not speaking. And if you're not able to go, you know you can always go on the website or pick up the CDs here. And uh, of course, shameless plug for the uh, conference coming up here, in February. <laughs> Great opportunity to hear some of the top Christian thinkers who are out there and expose your students to some of the leading thinkers in Christianity today. So, you know, I think you have a great task in front of you to turn this trend around. And I hope that you'll have the privilege of, in your schools, of producing some of the next generation of great Christian thinkers who go into the field of mathematics and science and business and you know, politics and music and art and really engaged ideas of the culture and really bring a powerful Christian worldview voice and perspective into all these arenas here that has been lacking for so many generations. So a tremendous task awaits you, but I'm sure you are ready with God's help and powering of the Holy Spirit to raise a generation of Christians who can not only live the Christian life, but outthink and outlove the culture around them.
0: This concludes Pat's message on developing the Christian mind. I hope you were challenged to love God more deeply with your heart, soul, and mind. If you missed any part of this message, log on at evidenceandanswers.org, and you can listen to this message and read Pat's articles on this issue. Be sure to join Pat and fellow scholars, Kirby Anderson and Dr. Mark Hitchcock at this year's Hawaii Apologetics Conference, this February 24th through 26th at Calvary Chapel, Pearl Harbor. Our theme this year is sign of the times, prophecy and its role in apologetics. Register today at EvidenceAndAnswers.org. Pat's ministry with Probe International relies on the generous donations from you, our listeners. If you've been blessed by Pat's teaching, please support him in prayer and with a financial gift by logging on at EvidenceAndAnswers.org. Join Pat next week as he presents another broadcast right here on Evidence and Answers.